Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 71, and we're coming at you from the Mean Your True Value and Riverwood Gallery studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host and producer Eric Fisher. Joining me in person, Ramsey Thompson. Welcome back, Ramsey. How are you doing? I'm back, baby. You look incredible. You, just off of vacation. Just off vacation. Got the haircut. The look, beard's look, trimmed. It's nice and shaped. It's my uh, summer look. I appreciate it. You know, good for you. Trimming up a little bit, you know. Also joining us in the studio, who is who has a mic pointed to her. She hasn't used it yet, except for the one episode. She joined us for the wrestling episode. Secretary Shauna. What's up, Secretary Shauna? Hey. Isn't it Business Administrator's Day today? It is. It is. Office Administrator's wow. Day. Wow. Hop, hop on the pod for a second here, Shauna. Our, our secretary. Why doesn't she have the headphones on? She does. I have, oh, so she's... I have your headphones and your microphone. Because Justin. you're not here. This is bad quality uh, podcasting right now. I'm just saying. <laughs> is it ever good quality? This isn't the bad. This, that's a good point, Ramsey. But this isn't the best Justin episode. All right. This that's is, true. We did that three weeks ago. That was a Tony G. <laughs> that was good stuff. Anyway, also joining us via Zoom, Justin Dahl. And you can hear him. He decided not to wait for his intro. But that's Justin. Coach Dahl. He's here. Kind of. He's here in space. Hey. <laughs> I'm excited for this episode. I think we're going to have a lot of great talk about something that's happening tomorrow, guys. Is it not the most exciting time? It's like it's almost like spring training baseball starting all over again, Ramsey. You know, I'm I would say the draft is not my most favorite time of the year, but it's definitely not my least favorite time of the year. Oh. That's quite the umbrella. It falls right in the middle. It, I, I am, and I, I'm gonna. We're obviously we're gonna talk about this at length in a few moments. But I'm just gonna say, as of right now, I think I am most excited for this draft than I have been in probably the last ten years. Really, this is my least excited. There's no Trevor Lawrence. Yes, I would agree. I would agree with Ramsey. There's no superstar. There's no for sure number one. There's nobody that's gonna go in the top ten. At the very least, that you can say is going to be a star in this league. It just it just seems like it's a a good draft, but not a great one with a lot of great stars. But that's why so, I love it as an I analyst, would, where I'm sitting here. No one has any idea what the hell's going to happen, and I think that's incredible. Well, I think we have a pretty decent idea what's going to happen. You're going to mm-hmm. have two quarterbacks picked in the first round. You're going to have two defensive ends taken, one two, maybe a left tackle. And that's about it. There's a bunch of utility players, a bunch of guys that are going to be... I, I told you just the other day, it, it's a bunch of dudes that are going to play a long time in the league, but it's a lot of dudes that are like, oh, well, I mean, they had a good career. I think that's a pretty fair assessment, to be honest with you. Yeah, like I said, I don't disagree with the assessments. I'm like, I definitely can appreciate those takes on it, but like I said, I think that's why I like it. Because it could be anything. You know, we could have these wild rushes at different positions based on how the draft board falls. You know, we really, we have a pretty decent idea of what teams need. But there's also not, like you said, there's not that home run number one prospect that's a consensus number one that every team wants or every team needs to have. You look at any mock draft out there, it can go a hundred different ways. You know what I hate, though? You know, I'm going to tell you, because I'm back. I hate where the Green Bay Packers are. 
Really? And we've been going through this mock draft, obviously, all week, right? Mm-hmm. At this point, I've probably done 10. Mm-hmm. You sent me that link, what was it, yesterday? Yesterday, Monday. And I've went through a couple, different, Tuesday, Tuesday. A couple, a couple different times, regardless of when it was sent over. And I, where the Green Bay Packers are, I absolutely hate it. Because you're they're just outside the range of a lot of those top fight receivers. And you're mm-hmm. potentially out of range for really good offensive linemen. You're falling at the tail of stuff where you're starting to get like the leftovers. And it just it because knowing Green Bay, they're not gonna trade all those picks. They're, that's where they're probably gonna no. pick at. So you're probably not gonna get actual team needs. You're probably gonna get a high quality Best player. player available. Yeah. And that's that's a little bit of a scary spot when you start talking that Green Bay needs offensive line help. I'd say defensive line help. A tight end or two, so receiver help obviously, maybe another running back. So I mean, you're really talking that it could be a it could be a long night for Packer fans. Yeah, well, I, I know we touched on this in the group chat, but I I, I said this the and we're gonna touch on it more uh, as the episode goes along. But I, I really feel if the right guy doesn't fall for the Packers at 22, we're gonna be trading down to a QB needy team and and that's really not going to make a lot of Packers fans uh, but I will say it does say one thing about this draft Eric now if you if all the pundits if you listen to all the pundits and they say every single team would like to trade back you know every single team is talking about hey we we would like to get more pick this just seems like a draft where you're going to take as many darts as you can get and throw them at the dartboard and see which one sticks it's not a like a, a surefire go get one kind of draft so you know uh, isn't that interesting that they're talking about everyone wants to move back and it's kind of what's been happening since uh, the last few weeks since i haven't been here right we've seen some receiver moves and we've seen quarterbacks that are asking for massive contracts and that kind of all stems down to what we're going to see in the draft tomorrow is potentially a lot of these teams trading back in the draft because they're so expensive at the top end of their rosters that they need to fill these things out with cheap talent and that's and I can yeah. see how that could be really interesting from the analyst standpoint, like you were saying. Well, and that's where I think you know, and we'll we'll touch more on this as we go out here. But one thing that you know, I and I'm going to touch on this in a little bit here. But one thing, just even as we get in these mock drafts, I think that makes it really exciting as an analyst for me is when you really look at you know just that first year contract, that first round contract, I should say, where you get that guaranteed fifth year option if you want it. It's a team option. I think yeah. for you know, especially with how the quarterback class this year is, and really the teams that need quarterbacks aren't really probably going to go get one. I mean, they're going to be reaching for all these quarterbacks. We talked last week with Mason. There's not a first round grade quarterback in this draft and as you, a true first round grade, anyway. So I was looking at Mason's board. I believe it was yesterday when you sent me over the draft link. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the expert Mason here. I'm going to see what he has to say. He has what four quarterbacks with a second round grade. Yes. See, I don't agree with that at all. I don't think any of those guys are second round grades. I think those are all less than that. So I'm, I'm going to just stop you right there. Just because of how the grading talent works. I, it, go listen. If you haven't already done so, listen to his, how the grading is. Because that's it, just where you kind of have to slot them. I, based I under- on how they actually grade on these different skill sets. No, I understand what he's saying. 
I've watched Malik Willis. I've watched Desmond uh, Ritter. Desmond Ritter, Kenny Pickett. I've watched these guys in college, and the difference in talent year to year, those guys aren't close to what Trevor Lawrence was doing. Those guys weren't close to even what you know Justin's guy, Mac Jones, was doing. And Mac Jones was a second-round talent. And I don't think any of the guys that are coming out this year are where Mac Jones was last year. And I understand, like, I understand that's how the grading system works. And, but I personally, I don't see that. I wouldn't take, I wouldn't waste my time with any of these guys. Yeah. So just uh, off the, off the, off the cuff here by either of you guys, wouldn't, wouldn't you think with that being said, wouldn't you think that one of these QB needy teams in Carolina, Seattle, maybe a Pittsburgh would be willing to trade a second this year and a third next year or a second this year and a fourth next year or, you know, vice versa, a fourth and then put it on some contingency about how much playing time that draft pick next year goes that they would be willing to trade for Jordan Love. I think so. I mean, I, I think that makes his value really interesting. Um, but also in a, kind of where I was going with this and, and we had to actually we have so much to talk about with this, but uh, just to kind of wrap this up, I think that fifth-year option, especially with some of these teams that could take quarterbacks and trade back into the first round in that later part, you know, potentially depending on who Green Bay, if they do stay at 22, that 28th pick becomes very expendable then too, where if a team wants to sneak back in the first round, get that quarterback with that fifth-year option for the contract's sake, that makes that pick very valuable trade bait too. So let me ask you this: Is that fifth year option really as valuable as you think it is? I do. I I, I totally agree. Okay, it is I, right. I totally agree. It is if the quarterback hits. If not, it's a big cap hit for. But you don't have to use talent. it. You right. can let that fourth but, year go and just what, not use look it. Look what happened with Baker Mayfield. That's the reason he hasn't been traded yet. Because he's, he's due $18 million next year, and no team wants to take that contract, and they have to figure out if they want to pay him or not the year after, right? Well, I think Baker Mayfield's situation is that the Cleveland Browns overplayed their hand and didn't move Baker first. So now everyone in the league knows that they want to move Baker. No, Baker never had value. That's what I'm saying. Baker, even before Deshaun Watson went there, didn't have the value to trade because he had $18 million, and if you trade him out, you either have to make the decision if you're going to trade a first-round pick for him or you're going to have to pay him next year after, right? So you, it's a double whammy. So you, these quarterbacks have to hit for it to be worth the first-round pick. Yeah, I, I don't know if I don't – like that. on the fifth-year option, I don't think that any NFL team is going to look at it and say $18 million gamble on a look and a see um, at, at a first-round talent quarterback – is that big of a gamble? I mean, look at what Carolina did with Sam Darnold. They're paying him twenty million dollars, right? Yep. So, you know, and and what is Jordan Love going to be in his fifth year? He'd be seventeen million dollars, something like that. I think the number is. So I don't think for what the quarterback numbers are. I mean, you're paying a top five quarterback over forty million dollars a year. I don't think eighteen million dollars a year or for one year is that big of a gamble, especially if you trade for that guy, he starts the whole year. You don't like what you see and you let him walk a free agency. You're going to get a compensatory pick out of it anyway. So 
I don't think it's that. I money wise, I don't think it's that big of a gamble. In fact, I think I think the fifth year option matters a lot more because money wise, it protects the team a hell of a lot more than it does uh, going to get a veteran or 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 gambling really early or trading up and mortgaging the future. Again, like I said, I think it, it really depends on if these guys actually hit. If you have an $18 million cap hit, or so the fourth year still, what, $14, $16 million will be probably when these guys actually get to that point. You still have to have that dead space in your cap that you can't really move. So that's, I guess it's more, I'm more commenting on this year's draft class of, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable with paying any of these guys in a kind of a rebuild situation. I think I'd rather go with a bridge quarterback or like the Falcons did with Marcus Mariota, where I can hold out for a year or two and then hopefully get something better a few years down the road. So yeah, I don't just, dis- I don't disagree with that at all. There's not a, there's not a, I, I think what you're trying to say is there's not a quarterback when you're going to draft a quarterback in the first round, you, you know, that that guy's really in the middle of the year, he's going to have to be a starter, right? Right. Like he, there's not a situation for a QB needy team right now where they have a guy like Aaron Rodgers sitting in front of a first round quarterback and, and we could sit and wait and watch him develop. You know, every team that needs a quarterback. I mean, you look at Pittsburgh, it's Mitchell Trubisky. You look at Seattle, it's it's Drew Locke. And you look at Carolina, it's Sam Darnold. And, and by all accounts, the boat the 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 boat's out on him too. You know, so all of those teams, if they draft a quarterback in the first round, their fan base, their ownership, um, and the rest of their locker room are really going to expect that guy to be the starter right off the bat or in the middle of the year. Right. Anyway. So so we have plenty of draft talk to get to. Uh, first, we got to talk about what we always talk about in the beginning of the episode, even though we're about 15 minutes in. We always start start off the episode with what we had rooted for in the last couple weeks. And I say weeks because neither one of you have been here in the last, last week. It was the Eric and Mason show, which was different it was awesome i loved having mason on for the full episode he did a great job filling in for you guys i might have to hire him instead but that's it it was probably way better probably probably (laughs) a lot more professional it was very like it it was very he was he was unsure of what a noogie of the week was but he nailed it like he he talked about it and he nailed it like i was so proud did a great job explaining. I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. But anyway, so that's sponsored by Fanatics. And that is talking about the positives from the happened from the last week. Talking about Fanatics, our partners, they got 300-plus powered stores. Get your NBA playoff gear. Get your MLB gear. Hashtag big league style for what you had rooted for in the last week. And, Ramsey, you've been gone for two weeks. So I'm going to let you go first. Well, NASCAR's been awesome the last Wild, month of the sport. Man. This new car, I was a little down on it to start the year, but it's really proven to be... Well, I shouldn't say that. This, the new-gen car has some issues that will have to be worked out, and honestly, the short-track package that they've had the last few weeks has not been great. I'm trying to remember. When was the last race I was here? I think uh, we were going into Richmond was the last time I was here. I believe so, yeah. Richmond was kind of a bad race. Martinsville was probably one of the worst Martinsville races in a decade. 
and bristle dirt was really good and obviously talladega's talladega so but the short track package will get worked out but and other than that nascar has been their numbers are up the cars look good a lot of a lot more parody this year i mean rosh Chastain just went over the weekend and it's just it's been good it's been a good time to be a nascar fan no i'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you since you weren't here last week bristol dirt you had gone year one yes sir you went back year two correct better worse bristol dirt was a lot better this year than year one year one they so where bristol is it's literally in a bowl like it's so this when the sun shines in there there it's just all in direct sun almost the entire time so there's a lot more dust this year a lot it was i ran at night no dust I don't really get the calls that they made with red flagging the race. It was pretty much raining that way the entire night. Like it never really like it picked up a little bit, but it never really got like it was standard. It wasn't right. It wasn't like really hard rain and then stopped. It was like sprinkling misting the entire time we were there. So <laughs> I don't know. It was a really good race though. Um, Obviously, we're sitting right in the starting finish line. If you haven't been to Bristol, that's a great place to take a non-NASCAR fan because you can watch the entire track from where you sit. So there's always something going on. There's always something you can look at. There's always someone, something to do. So excellent race, excellent venue. So I would. I got one question for you, Ramsey. Yes, you, you in favor of the Sunday night race or? The Saturday night race. I would have ran it on Saturday. And that was... So when we were out there, we were actually staying in North Carolina. And mm-hmm. on Friday, we got in. And we're like, it's literally going to rain all day Sunday. Like, why not run it Saturday night? And I've, I've always been a big fan of Saturday night short track. Sunday night's kind of a weird night, especially with Easter. It's kind of a... Right. I don't know. I would have run it Saturday if it was me. I agree. I also agree. It, it did. It did great. Didn't it get like four million viewers or something like that? Yes, it was the biggest Bristol race since 2019, I believe, of any sort. I, I think. Oh, I thought. I thought it was the largest NASCAR race since 2017 of any sort. I believe that was Talladega this past weekend. Oh, okay. They stand corrected. I, I don't know. Still. I, I I know it was the biggest Bristol race they've done in a long time. And it was... It, this, Even that speaks volumes with how well, you know, what you just said, with how well the car is doing. I mean, the, the racing is a lot better. And the and the fans are, are saying it's a lot better by, by tuning in. And especially when you... It's a better road course car, obviously. And I don't necessarily know if that's good or bad, but it's definitely a better road course car. And it's better for the Bristol Dirt Race. The car itself handled a lot better. I think they're going to make some more modifications for next year. Um, it, it was just a, it's a really good experience. And especially when you do something a little different. Like, I don't think Dirt should come back any more than it is. It should be a one-off night. I don't even know if it should be a points-paying race, to be honest. I think that they should mm-hmm. kind of go back to what they were doing in what 2009 like dash for cash or something when they were doing like a charity race and they did donate all to st jude's with the uh, eldora races back in the day yeah, i think they should do cool. something like that instead of it being a points paying race but 
people turned out i know it looked kind of empty but i bet you there was probably 60 or seventy thousand people there wow i mean bristol holds one hundred forty thousand, so i would say it was it's amazing i would say it was more than half full so if you think about that just an aspect of lambo it was a lambo field home game that's why yeah. people were there so and that's on a sunday night on easter right so that, that's pretty impressive uh justin your route for for the last week and a half two weeks whatever well well my root for is uh, I, I thought that after Chris Middleton went down things were going to be pretty bleak for the Bucks since uh you know Middleton had such a great playoffs last year but he's really not you know, that for, good. Yeah, uh, I don't I wouldn't say that but I'm just saying that they they really figured it out. Budenholzer are really figured this out um with how to play these guys the right amount of minutes and with Grayson Allen stepping up the way he has the Bucks are going to end up uh, finishing this one tonight if they stop goofing around here. But, um, yeah, I, I think the Bucks, the way they, they have turned the corner about the Middleton injury and they're going to get him some time off and let's hope he can uh, at, at some point um, return next series. I, I think that's a little far-fetched from, from what they're saying. But the, the way they turned around and – and kind of figured this out and uh, you know i said at the beginning of the series this was either going to be a sweep or they're going to get it in in five games and it looks like they're going to get it in five games tonight so maybe i'm rooting for myself that's fair that's fair grayson <laughs> allen has been incredible in this series and and you know i had tweeted out when they signed him it was almost a guaranteed repeat you know i don't want to jinx anything knock on wood here but I have loved the addition of Grayson Allen. He's been such an important part of the team this year. Back-to-back uh, -back 25 plus point games uh, in these crucial games without Chris Middleton. Mm -hmm. And really, in the defensive presence, so much better than what they had in, in the combination of like Bryn Forbes last year and um, I can't even remember. Sam Merrill I think was kind of the other piece that they were kind of hoping. They yeah. got two for one with him. And we've even seen playoff Pat stepping back up in the playoff Pat role. So really enjoying watching the Bucks. My route four for this week, um, I'm going to take a little bit of a self route myself here too. And it hasn't, it won't be posted by the time this episode airs, so you can listen to us first. But last night I was able to join one of my fellow Rays ambassadors on the Touchdown Tuesdays podcast and do a mock draft. Wow. We did, we did a two round mock draft of the whole draft and. Uh, definitely recommend looking that show up once you're done listening to this one um, and listen to us talk about the different uh, ways we see all 32 teams going in the first two rounds of the draft. So it was a really fun experience. Um, I have never done a mock draft before this year. I know we've done quite a few of them on, on our Facebook and Instagram pages and Twitter page. Uh, but a two-round mock draft where four of us picked for all... 64 picks i mean we did you know we switched off so i think i had whatever four divided by so 26 picks i had whatever four divided by 64 is you're looking at me i i was I looking at the teacher in the room i don't have enough toes i was looking 16 16 so not 64 God, i had six what i say 26 yeah. i said yeah God, you are dumb did you go to jill it i did that's a jill math pulling through Thanks, we, that's why we have a teacher in the room i was testing her she's applying for jobs she just has to watch us make sure we don't get in trouble exactly 
<laughs> She's going to give me detention. I know for sure. <laughs> I have another root for. Okay, what, let's hear it. Did you guys watch Tyson Fury on Saturday morning? Did not, no. Oh, my God. Did not, but I heard about it. Tyson Fury. Supposedly, that was his last fight. That was his last fight, allegedly. Just one of the cleanest knockouts I've ever seen in my life. Allegedly. Oh, he was knocked out. That wasn't allegedly. That was a a Jake Paul dive. No. The guy didn't even see it. It was Tyson Fury. So so can you explain to me? So because I know that there's a lot of there's there's a little bit of controversy about they're they're saying that it was an illegal knockout or whatever. What the hell is that all about? I don't know. Tyson Fury knocked the fucking dude out. Like there's (laughs) there was nothing illegal about that. The guy and it was the first uppercut that Tyson Fury did the entire fight. Really? And just caught dude just napping. And all of a sudden, you, it was so fast that I didn't see it live. Like, I was watching the fight, obviously. And then I'm like, dude just fell over. I'm like, what, the, what happened? Then they showed the replay of this uppercut and just barely hits his jaw and just knocks Glass. Him oh, it was. Down. The, I hope that's Tyson Fury's last fight. I, I love watching Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is probably one of my all time favorite athletes. But I, there's probably not a better way to go out than what he just did. So. Hats off Tyson Fury. Wonderful fight. Sold out Wembley. It was just, it was a really special event. So I'm disappointed you guys did not watch Tyson Fury on Saturday. I just, I'm just watching it right now. Looks like it just, like, glazed him. I know. Just caught him just per. It was Tyson Fury, for being that big of a dude, he is so fast. I love Tyson Fury for that reason. Tyson Fury gives us, uh, Little heavier set white dudes from uh, Hope. The dad bod white guys. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think he fights Francis Ngannou? No. I think he's done. I, I truly think, and I, I think especially looking back, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. so he's going to have a couple days to reflect on this. I don't think that that is, he should be done. Like, I think that was the perfect storybook ending in his home country. He's young. I, I get it, but what else does he have to do? It's 33. Make money, man. But there's no one you else. You buy Twitter. There's no one else in the heavyweight division that he need, really needs to fight anymore. I mean, that that's just the unfortunate fact about it is that, and the, kind of the unfortunate part of where boxing is currently, there's only so many big draws, especially when you get to those heavyweight guys, that Tyson Fury's kind of ran through them all. And, I mean, at the end of the day... I don't think he's just going to take some rematch just to take a rematch. So, I don't know. I hope he's done. I hope that that was the, the perfect way to end it. I, I mean, selfishly, I hope he fights more. I love watching Tyson Fury. He's an excellent defensive fighter, and especially in these last about five fights, he's really become more of... He's brought, he's brought a lot more offense to these boxing matches, but it, it was just the perfect way to end it. So, I hope that he just kind of... Rides off in the sunset, and I think he has three sons that he talks about training. So maybe we'll get some more uh, very large white men punching people. I love that. All right, so from the positives to the negatives, we give our Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week. And Ramsey, I'll let you lead this one off again. Oh, I got a couple. All right, let's hear them. So first off is NBA MVP voters not voting Giannis as MVP. You guys are a bunch of clowns. Nikola Jokic is going to get bounced in the first round. 
Do they did they announce him as MVP already? Well, that's kind of the. I know he's the favorite. He's the odds-on favorite, but he's pretty heavy favorite. And obviously, Embiid is Embiid. He's also potentially could get balanced in the first round. Um, if we're talking truly valuable, Jokic is not the most valuable player. Giannis Antetokounmpo is the most valuable player in the league right now. Yeah, I don't think he's the most valuable player on his team. Jokic? I think. Yeah, I, I think that them not having Murray, the point guard, is... More... Is, yeah, I agree. I, is, Jokic, I don't get Jokic. I've watched him play a handful of times now, and I watch, every time I watch him, I'm like, this is what we're talking about? He's like a worse version of LeBron. Yeah. Like, he's a much heavier... Slower. Slower version of LeBron. So I'm like, if we're going to give this to the MVP, LeBron should have won the last 10. <laughs> like, I, I get that there's a little bit of LeBron fatigue, but... I mean, Giannis is more. Giannis is better in every aspect. There's a, maybe Jokic is a better shooter, maybe. Uh, my other nugget of the week would be uh, Kyrie Irving. What an absolute clown! Uh, decides to sit out half the season and then blames chemistry for not working. And it's like, <laughs> Kyrie, you, you didn't play all year. You wonder why there's no chemistry with you and Kevin Durant because you can't play. You don't play defense. You are probably he's probably one of the best small ball finishers of all time. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna just defend Kyrie, not for any reason, but I'm just gonna say it necessarily wasn't his choice to not play most. I mean, I know yes, he could have it was done something. No, no, no. It was a hundred percent his choice. If I'm whether you where you stand on the vaccine status, that doesn't. I don't care. But if you are part, if it's part of your job requirement, and you choose, hey, I'm just gonna step out and not do that. That's a hundred percent your choice, regardless of. Yeah. Regard. If you don't, I'll concede that. I'll if you don't want to get the vaccine, that's fine. But then sit out. If you want to get the vaccine, then play. Like I don't care where you stand on that, but that's your choice. No, I'll, I'll concede that. And then you can't go and kind of bash everybody else on the team because you didn't play all year. Like that's not on them that you weren't the one that was showing up and you were the one that was taking just leaves of absences and. You know, showing up to sit in courtside for home games and just kind of being a distraction in a head case all season. So, yeah, I mean, that, that I think that a lot of that falls on you. Kevin Durant deserves a noogie. You left Golden State to go play with that clown. Like, you chose Kyrie Irving and Steve Nash over Steph Curry and Steve Kerr. You probably deserve a noogie, too. And then you're going to talk about how you guys are going to fix the roster next year and you guys both left better situations to go play with each other, but both of your head cases and can't get your shit straight. So, and then you're gonna blame everyone else that you. That's why you lost to a better team that just played. They did not give you an easy shot the entire time. Boston outplayed them every single game. So, I, I don't know. I'm kind of done with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. They're soft and just. I also want to add into that because I'm gonna use one of my nuggies here. Um, I'm gonna add in Ben Simmons. On top oh, of all that, too. I, I was doubling down with you, Eric. That's my nuggie, too. So you go right on ahead. Ben Simmons is worse than Kyrie for everything you just said. Not as talented. And then when it matters the most, he's he's fake. I don't want to. I'm never going to accuse a player of faking an injury. But he's riding this back injury that cannot be proven by anything. Do you think the Nets want to put him out there, though? I think they didn't want to get eliminated in the first round. I think the guy was throwing a hissy fit last year because he couldn't make free throws. So 
he's now going to claim that he can't play this year due to a suspicious back injury, and the Nets just kind of don't play him. Well, what are they going to do, though? They have him for three years after this year. No, I, I get it's like it. $36 million a pop, too, it's, isn't it? Yeah, and it's all guaranteed, too. Three guaranteed years. Jeez. I know. But, no, so he shows up to these games caring more about what his outfit is than the teammates and the team around him. Makes his big look-at-me vibe to him. Which Jenner was he with, Shauna? The good ben one. Ben Simmons. No, the bad one. Kylie? No. Okay, you you get in on that, but folk, he's he got the whole Jenner Kardashian uh, vibe no, with him he too. He was with um um eight one eight. Ah yeah, Kendall. 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 Thank you. But Kendall's a good Kardashian. I, you watch your mouth one? about Kendall. Yes. yes. Kendall's the good one. Her. Kendall drives a nine eleven Carrera. You realize that a nineties nine eleven Carrera only comes with a six speed manual, and that car will <laughs> fucking kill you. And she's got good tequila. And so. she has A18 tequila, which me and Shauna drank almost an entire bottle of. Anyway. Shauna. Anyway. Good stuff. So anyway, so he's got the he's got cursed by the Kardashians. And he, like I said, show cares more about his outfit for these games. And then in the elimination game, the game he's supposed to play in. No shows. Doesn't even come to the arena. Says, now nah, I'm done. Like what the hell is that? I love that you know somebody went and found an old tweet from him from I think 2018 or 2019 something like that. Never let my team get swept again. I hate this feeling. Blah blah blah. And then actually somebody comments on it. Come to the Nets. You'll never experience it again. And then he did. So my noogie goes to uh, Ben Simmons for just the absolute clown show that was the Brooklyn Nets this season, and just caps it all off. I, I you know. Say what you will about Kyrie's vaccine status. Say what you will about KD being soft and, you know, Steve Nash probably not being the right head or coaching hire. There's a million different red flags with that organization right now. But Ben Simmons was the cherry on top of the whole thing. Did not play a single game for him after they trade James Harden, who's apparently it seemed like he was the only one that actually wanted to be there. You trade him away. <laughs> And think about that for a second, though. The only no. guy who actually wanted to be there, you trade him away because he gets pissed off at the organization. Because they're a dumpster fire. Because they're a dumpster fire. Is yeah. that? And you get a guy who doesn't play for you. Is that dumpster fire of the year worthy? It's definitely the leader. It's got to be the leader in the clubhouse at this point. Well, the Lakers are pretty bad, too. I will put you this team. I will put uh, this. Schefter? Yeah, Schefter's always up there. I, I, we gotta get him on the pod. Yeah, right. Um, he did something what last? Oh, he had the thing. I wasn't. I didn't even mention it two weeks ago. Um, after the passing of Dwayne Haskins, where he got buried for uh, pointing out how bad of a career the guy had when was, the body was still warm. I I don't like the burying of him for that because he wasn't wrong the whole thing about Dwayne Haskins was he had questionable decision making and the dude decides to run across the highway I mean you're not wrong but like I said just the fact that <laughs> the day like I said the body's probably still warm and can someone oh, when can, you put it that way Ramsey that's so bad can someone that explain is so to me bad. how you get hit on a highway 
He was trying to change tire, wasn't he? Questionable decision making. Then he runs across the highway. <laughs> R.I.P. I, I thought you were gonna say on this. I have I have worse comments this I'm thinking of. No disrespect intended, oh. but it, let's be honest. But you you got hit by a car. Like look both ways. <laughs> I, I'm not th- this sh- anyway. But yeah, so he got buried for that. So that's another, just another Schefter. Um, it was bad. Yeah, this, this has really gone downhill. We've got Kardashians. We've got talking about getting hit by car. I, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, uh, my other nugget of the week, and, and I know that neither one of you guys paid attention to this probably, but Angel Hernandez, the baseball umpire. That's right, yeah. Shawnee. That's right. Shawnee, that's what you want to say about Angel Hernandez? He's terrible. Angel Hernandez he's, he's has missed, so bad. I believe I saw the number in the last seven years, he's missed like 2,600 calls. Yeah. I saw that tweet too. See, you want to know why baseball's that the worst sport? Because we quantified how many calls an umpire missed. <laughs> I mean. That someone took the time to go through and count them all. But when you're that far and above bad, so and and he had made a call, I think, on the Friday se- part of the series over the weekend in Philadelphia Brewers Phillies, where I, I I can't remember what the call was, but as soon as it happened, I was like immediately, that's Angel Hernandez nugget of the week, and that was Friday. Then the whole shit show that happened when he was behind the plate on Sunday, where players from both teams he called he he had expanded the strike zone. The broadcasters are talking about it. Players are sitting there and just like. Dude, that's not even close to a sh- and it, in baseball, two or three inches off the plate is a big deal, especially when you've got the eye. You know, when you're used to that, and you're not going to swing at that pitch. And he's sitting there just ringing everybody up, and you're just getting guys like, I mean, for both teams, Andrew McCutcheon looking at him like, dude, what the, f-? you know, former MVP. You've got guys from the Phillies, Harper, um, and then Kyle Schwarber, the one that got his money's worth at the end. Rams, I'm sure you saw the Kyle Schwarber meltdown at the very least, did you? No. So I'm, I'll get it up here for you on my phone. But uh, Kyle Schwarber struck out looking at a full count. Josh Hader, the, who was pitching for the Brewers to close the game out, even he knew he missed. And he's just in there, Ugh, got away with one there. And Schwarber throws the bat. And goes off. It was hilarious. And it was something that both teams were just sitting there like, yeah, go off. Did he punch him? He did not. He should oh. have. Sounds like Angel Hernandez needs a punch. I, I don't disagree. Here, Here is the video, Ramsey. So I'm watching it live for the first time. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And I'm sure MLB find him, too. Pro- I think they did. I don't remember exactly what, what it was. A but wow, an organization. I don't disagree, and you know that's another thing. You know, just something I touched on. So I, watching this series, so Brewers Phillies Sunday night baseball, it's one of the most. It's supposed to be the most watched game of the weekend, besides maybe the Fox Saturday afternoon game. Just how TV rankings and stuff work. People I, watch baseball. Ramsey, that's not the discussion we're having. But so one credits to ESPN is that they had um Bryce Harper mic'd up the entire game and he was oh, DHA. I bet you that was wonderful. It actually was. I, and Bryce Harper's entertaining. He was DHing so he's in the dugout when he wasn't, you know, when the Phillies yeah. were in defense. So they got him when the Brewers were batting, when the Phillies were batting. They actually had Willie Adamas mic'd up for the Brewers too. Sure. But not like as live. They just had kind of sound bites of him throughout the weekend. But 
the problem I'm and then where I'm kind of going with MLB on this one too is I was talking we were watching the game Sean and I were watching the game and I'm like I bet you the average sports fan doesn't know who Bryce Harper is but that's what MLB should do though put 100% mics, put mics in your stars to make them actually feel like stars that's what MLB's well, I've that's that's the point. Is they don't right? market. You know, they. You know, if you if you're a casual person, you know, not a sports fan, not invested in the game, is flipping through their channels on Sunday night, and they're flipping through. They get like the E Network and don't want to watch the Kardashians suck, and they go. They're not on E anymore. They're on Hulu. Hulu. Get it right. Get it right, Eric. My you bad. put some respect on Kim Whoa. K's name. But you go through. Oh my God. I know, Justin. I'm I'm with you on those phones. I'm with you on this one, Eric. But you go through that. You don't want to watch the yes. thirty the thirty millionth rerun of Pawn Stars on History Channel, and you land on Sunday Night Baseball, and you've got this guy mic'd up who is the reigning NL MVP. And the average guy, he he looks like Ramsey when he you know Ramsey's got the kind of the Bryce Harper look going right now. I hope I look like Bryce Harper. He's a good looking dude. He is. I watched and, American Idol. I, I don't even have words for this. <laughs> and you're going to bash American, the Kardashians? Yeah, you're going to bash better. the Kardashians. And you're sitting here watching American Idol on Sunday night. <laughs> hey, it's reality TV, my friends. You I would rather watch the drama. Kardashians it's real than American Idol. Drama. I, I would These rather watch baseball. for their lives. <laughs> when you, when Ramsey, their lives. When Ramsey would rather watch baseball than your program. <laughs> What is wrong with American Idol, Ramsey? A lot. Where do you want us to start? This is a sports show. We're not going to do that. We could. We if people are interested, we can do a this a sounds... really bad pop culture podcast. I wonder if will... there's a monkey knife fight deal on American Idol. There might be, but this is probably a better discussion for tomorrow when we're watching hour four of the draft. <laughs> That's probably true. Put that down. <laughs> Yeah, we'll put it down. <laughs> so <Some> topics, <laughs> but we're scratching. <laughs> Justin, did you have another nugget of the week besides Ben Simmons? Yeah, you or not you, Woo! but Ramsey for watching the Kardashians. Okay, first off, I do not watch the Kardashians. I just respect Kim Kardashian, and Kendall Jenner is she's a badass. <laughs> <laughs> she owns a tequila company and drives a nine eleven Carrera. With That's a 60 manual. And I, if any of well, you guys you, have ever... You watching the show is not badass. Has, if you guys have ever been in a Porsche, the pedals are about the size of a deck of cards. So not only is she driving a six-speed manual Carrera, she's driving it... like It's a hard car to drive. Those things are tiny. They are a pain in the ass. So... Fair we enough. like Kendall on the show. We're a big Kendall house. I don't know if we that's are. It, that's you I might am. be. Secretary Shauna might be, but yeah, we like Kendall. We like Kendall. All right, fair enough. So, uh, I guess with that, we will announce our our draft uh, plans. So obviously, we're going to discuss it here for the re- probably the remainder of the episode. Um, but we do want to announce we are indeed hosting a live stream of the first round of the NFL draft tomorrow at Ramsey's house, Studio One. Studio One. Don't you love that? Living Room One. Yeah, Living Room One. And we will give our breakdown of picks if we can. Uh, you'll see some different cast and characters there throughout the night probably. Yeah, there's going to be people stopping through. Probably a lot of truly margaritas are going to be crushed. 
So maybe I'll even buy a bottle 818 for everyone. You do what you gotta do, man. You do what you gotta do. That's all I'm gonna say. So we will hit the stream. The draft starts at 7. Uh, probably hit it 15 minutes early. Yeah, probably. Give or take. So yeah. 6.45, we will have our live stream of the draft starting. And we'll try to give some reaction throughout the night. But if you want to just hang out with us and we'll talk draft and we'll be on the live chat then throughout the night then too, be sure to check it out. If with- you guys know where I live, you're invited. Stop on out. and Not putting the address out there, but you have it though. Feel free to stop on over. and Or if you know how to even get a hold of Ramsey. Yeah, if you can get a hold of me, we'll talk. It's like the A-team. Basically. If you can find him. You can come hang out. And and he's have... got free time to answer his phone. Yeah. Come out, crush a beer. Call some brats, <laughs> maybe. All right. So with that, before we actually get into the draft, I should probably transition. You know, not a whole lot. You know, we, we can talk about the Bucks here a little bit. Justin, have you, or we'll actually ask both of you. Have either of you guys watched it in the USFL yet? No. Yes. I have not. I heard yeah. it's good. I've heard it's been really, actually really good. It has not been terrible. It has been better than any of the other gimmicks. The other leagues to gimmickly go out there and try. It looks like real football. So um, let me ask you this. Is it a gimmick, though? Like the XFL was a gimmick, right? The first one. Anyway. Even the second one was a gimmick, and... What was the other one that was out there? The, the AAF was a little AAF. bit of a gimmick, right? I don't think the USFL is a gimmick. I think that's a legit franchise. Yes. Is it a franchise? League? League? Association? Yeah. It's more legitimate than the fan control football league, which, by the way, JM2 throwing touchdowns to Terrell Owens. Oh, God. I have not watched. I want to. I, I, it's the only play I've seen from this season. Uh, last year, I did occasionally go and watch and p- vote on some plays. But, no, JM2 rekindling that competitive spirit, finding Terrell Owens for a touchdown, cannot be beat. Throwing dimes. We've oh. touched on this, Eric, with the USFL. Uh, but product-wise, uh, I think it's been, I think it's been um, surprisingly pretty good. With a lot of the uh, – a lot of these guys, you have to be a, a – really big football fan to know who some of these guys are um, that are playing. There are some, some names that are recognizable, but um, the football itself, the coaching itself, um, the, the, the refereeing even in the game, um, it's all been pleasantly, surprisingly good. How are our Pittsburgh Maulers doing the unofficial team of this show? Lots of Wisconsin Badgers Ooh. on that team. Uh, I am. Uh, I think. What's the, who's the Mustangs? I don't know. This is the Birmingham Mustangs. That sounds about right. <laughs> Let's go, Stangs. I think so. What uh, were you gonna say about Birmingham uh, or I don't Pittsburgh? Know. I think they. I think they lost their first one, and I think they won their second one. Groshek. Uh, Garrett Groshek the, is the lead back. Um, John Dietzen is the left guard. And Olive Sagapalo is a starting defensive tackle. All former Badgers. Um, all who have played in the league. Um, so, you, you know, we've touched on, on, on how this thing could survive long term. 
Um, do I think it still has long-term um, life to it? I, I'm not so sure. When you play in one stadium and that one stadium is empty 95% of the time, I don't know that there's a, a long-term life to it. Um, you know, NBC and Fox aren't really going to want to, you know, air games that don't have any fans in the stands. But fans um, in the stands is what generates revenue. Fans in the stands are only a no, partial part of it. it. It's it's environment, right? Environment has to be a part of it. Not necessarily. Um, I mean, I, so I, I understand what you're saying. I, I don't necessarily agree that there's not long-term sustainability there, just due to the fact on who's backing it. Fox and NBC. Disney's backing this. It's not like this is Vince McMahon who doesn't have the resource and funding to fund it for a few years if it's not super successful. And that, that's been the issue with all these other leagues is that they've had kind of limited limited resources to be able to dump in there. If Disney and Disney just goes, hey, Fox, you're going to air this. We're going to fund it for a while. Let's see what happens. And Fox is really pushing it. Like, they're pushing the USFL. So are we yeah. sure there's not sustainability there with just how deep the pockets are of the Disney brands? If you're talking about sustainability for maybe two or three years, then sure. What are but the what are the my TV my numbers? vision of sustainability is somewhere between seven to ten years, five five to eight years, something in that nature. What are the TV and, numbers? And we've like? talked and we've um. Have they been decent? I know they just they mm, they've been okay, not de not not great. Uh, I know they just passed like over a million followers on social media i wish we had that many followers on social media pretty cool. um we've we've talked to depth uh i think it was two episodes ago or three episodes ago um eric about what i feel the what should happen to the usfl or any of these um startup leagues as as to what the sustainability model should be um Having one single owner for these teams is, it's just, it's not going to work. It's just, in the end, it's its one entity that's that's paying the price for eight teams and you're playing in one city. It's not like this league is traveling all over the place. They're playing in one stadium, one city, um, and, and in front of no fans. So, to me, I could see it sticking for two to three years just because of what you said with Fox, uh, Disney or whatever, um, backing it. But as long as, as much as long-term viability, I'm not so sure unless they change the model. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. I don't, I, I don't know enough about it to really have a really strong opinion. I'm just, I have seen it advertised a lot. So I just uh, kind of assumed it was doing pretty well. Well, I'll put it to you this way, Ramsey. The NFL doesn't hide its model, right? The NBA doesn't hide its model. The NHL doesn't even hide its model. Um, MLB doesn't hide its model. The, every single one of these um, leagues have, and I said this on the podcast a couple weeks ago, have what? 
Each team has an owner. There's only one team out of the four major sports that doesn't have an owner. They have about 70 billion owners, right? The Packers. That way, that person is responsible money-wise, marketing-wise, stadium-wise, business-wise for that one franchise, right? Not, Not the USFL is responsible for eight franchises. I think the model where one entity like the USFL is responsible for eight franchises in the end does not succeed. I think they need what they should do. If it was 30 million, like the XFL, the rock bought the XFL for $30 million. He gets eight teams. He should sell them all for $4 million, make $2 million and run and run the whole league as the commission. So in my point of view, kind of looking at the viewership right now, they're doing about 800,000 views, which I don't, that's not great. This is about what AEW wrestling is doing that. Right. But so where we're at in the current day is that content is paying, right? Regardless of what it is, advertising money is flowing through. So people are still paying to advertise for 800,000 people, like regardless of what that is. And I can't imagine they're paying these guys anything. So, I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting. I I agree with you, Justin. I think that you're going to have to find some sort of happy ground or happy middle medium just to be able to make this thing actually work. But I think that Fox is going to back. I think I think they're hoping that it's not. I, I think they. I right. they and hope then, that you know, it's the... AEW Raw. It's they, it's just a live content that people are going to turn in, watch cheap right. entertainment. And mm-hmm. Right, and then it's going to turn into star power. Right, um, you have guys that are holding out hope of getting into the NFL that used to be stars there, that still want to play football. If you have these these franchises owned by one one owner and and say hey you know we play eight games a year Le'Veon Bell we have a five million dollar cap right right Le'Veon Bell I'll pay you a million dollars to come and play eight eight games for us right isn't like the way the USFL was ran the first time was successful uh until Donald Trump went and sued the NFL for whatever it was and all shit broke loose then. But the way it was run was successful, and I don't think they should stem away from that. Well, I think that obviously one thing that everyone will tell you whenever you're doing a new business is brand identity, right? They need to figure out what their identity is, and they need to figure out what their product is. And honestly, I guess that's what we're both saying, right? If As long as you figure out what your mm-hmm. brand identity is, you could probably succeed. If you don't, that's where you start getting the issues of less successful sporting ventures. So, right. if you, if you, even if you had Johnny Manziel, Terrell Owens, playing for the Tampa Bay Bandits and coached by Todd Haley, I bet you that game probably does a million views. I bought two hundred thousand. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're not going to tune in to watch Jordan Te'amu get sacked five times, throwing to John Doe out on the wing. 
You couldn't, pull, just, you couldn't pull another receiver name? I couldn't. I couldn't even <laughs> think of the guy. <laughs> All right. So To be honest with you. With that, and I, I'm really, you know, and just one, I'm going to actually add one more thing here. I had said it a couple weeks ago when Justin and I talked about this. I think for a spring league to work, I think they're going to have to find some sort of partnership with the NFL. Whether that be a direct affiliation program or, you know, having, you know, we have eight teams, four teams. You can even do it division by division. This is the NFC North team. This is the AFC South team, you know, whatever. I don't think that's maybe the best route to go is have all guys on one division team. But I think to really make it work long run, if I think that's another kind of alternate route to go. I think it's I think it's really this week it's going to tell you a lot. Like the yeah. NFL's not playing this they're not playing football, right? And there are Sunday Sunday games in the USFL. And there ain't nothing about the NFL that's happening on Sunday besides introducing their draft picks. Yeah, true. This week it's good this week it's going to tell you a hell of a lot about if there's sustainability with the USFL when it goes head to head, like yeah. if they do anything less than half a million, it's going to be tough, and it's going to be a tough sell to advertisers. Yeah, absolutely, and that's going to be you know, and you kind of hit the nail without saying it, Justin. Is you know, this is really from now till training camp really the highest that the nfl intensity is probably going to be that nfl that football fever mm-hmm. until we get closer to training camp so people are going to want to watch games um so i think like you said there is a lot of pressure to say okay sunday games you know i don't know if they do two and two or one and three however they do it saturday versus sunday but even that saturday night game once the draft is kind of wrapped up saturday afternoon really does have a lot of pressure to it a hundred percent. Is there going to be NFL draft fatigue and and we're not going to watch, you know, these guys that weren't even good enough to be undrafted signees, basically, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Play on Sunday afternoon. It's- or is that football fever going to carry over to the weekend? You know, I've heard Brett Favre's going to do some things for about a million dollars. Steal from charities. I just, I've heard that. I'm sure he has an itch. Just saying. Allegedly. You put the old gunslinger out there. People will watch. People will tune in. People will tune in. I freaking would. (laughs) One more Brett Favre game? Are you kidding me? Like I said, he does some some dirty things for a million dollars. Put Bill Schroeder out on the edge? Hell yeah. All right. NFL draft time. So I know we had talked earlier, you know, kind of some very overshadowing things with it. So, uh, Ramsey, I know you had said that you don't like where the Packers are. So oh, let's start with the, the, the positions here. So I actually – I go back and forth. I really do like where the Packers are at 22 anyway. I hate where they were at 28 if they hadn't tra- made the Devontae trade. But at 22, I think that is enough room to possibly go and move up if they need to or if they feel that they want to. See, I think they have to. Green Bay is going to do one of two things. I think they're going to trade that pick to get an established star 
or trade up a little bit because, like I said, they kind of need receiver talent or they need offensive line talent. And pretty much all of the somewhat high-end talent is going to go right before they have to pick at 22. I don't think they stay at 22. I, wherever they might move back, they might move up, but I don't think 22 is where they're actually going to draft that first pick at. So our buddy Mason, he has made a mock draft where they trade up to 16. With the Saints? Yes. I believe I also made a trade that they trade up with the Saints. Just saying. Me and Mason are the same person. I, I don't think you are. I have seen you at the same time. Well, I don't think that's even close. You haven't seen us in the same room, have you? I have not, but I've talked to both of you at the same time. <laughs> Ever seen one of them uh, ventriloquists? I, I'm... <laughs> this show, man, this show. You're like, you're like Walter. Yeah, we got a Peanut Ramsey over here. <laughs> That's probably the most accurate one. <laughs> but anyway, um, so he had that. I, I could see that being the case, especially depending on what route the Saints want to go in the draft. Um, I've personally done a mock draft where they trade 28 for Terry McLaurin and that's all it takes to get Terry McLaurin. So Um, I've been thinking about this for a little bit now and a little bit of Ramsey tangent here. I think Green Bay and Kansas City told you something when they let Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams go, right? I think they told you that the league is overvaluing receivers. Oh, 100%. And I think that I don't know if I would trade a first round pick for a receiver at this point. Green Bay told you Devontae is worth two. And I don't... I just have a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that... Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Devontae... No, I do too. I 100% agree with that. That The league is telling you right now that these teams are overvaluing that position right now. Well, think about the teams that they traded to, right? The Miami Dolphins. Yep. The Las Vegas Raiders. And the Cleveland Browns made a deal for a big-name receiver, right? Yep. What do all three of those things teams have in common? Poverty franchises. They've been terrible for years. And so the teams that are trying to be really receiver-savvy are the Kansas City Chiefs, the Green Bay Packers, and the Los Angeles Rams. And what have those three teams done for the last decade? Well, the Rams did just go get Odell Beckham Jr. in right. a trade last year. But but they're not paying him anything. True. They didn't pay anything for him. They didn't, right. They're not paying him anything now. All these other teams are paying multiple first-round picks for these guys, and they're telling you that, hey, we don't think they're worth that much. So, I don't know. I think the receiver thing is a little overrated. Let's even look at the deal that that the Jaguars signed all those receivers to. Oh. What was it, Christian Kirk? About $20 million a year. Ridiculous money for a guy who I don't – I think he's been a pro bowler, what, once? If Has that, he even been a pro bowler? I, I don't know. I I had to think about that for a second. So but I would guess why that is and why this overvaluation of receivers has started is because people need to make sure the quarterbacks work. People are getting fired now because they can't get the quarterback right, right? So they're thinking, they're evaluating and saying, hey, if I can get the best weapon for the quarterback, it's bound to work, Right. And I don't think that's how the NFL works. I think it's the other way around. I think it's the quarterback that makes the receiver, not necessarily the receiver that makes the quarterback. 100%. And I think that's where this big disillusions happen that all of a sudden you add Tyreek Hill to Tua, Tua and it's going to fix everything. I don't think that's the case. I think it's the opposite. I think Tua is as good as Tua is. And 
it's one thing to have Tyreek Hill open 70 yards downfield if you can't throw it to him, right? So I, I think the receiver talent's a little overrated right now. For sure. Um, I, you know, I think all I know all the mock drafts you've done, you have had them trade eventually for a wide receiver. Yes, I'm fine trading a second, third, fourth round pick for receiver. I, I think that's more than fair, especially if you get an established receiver brand for a second round pick or a third round pick or a combination of both. I don't think a first round pick for a receiver is value sensitive or value savvy at this point. So I am. It's, it sounds like Ramsey. What what you said or what you have projected in your mock draft and what you have just said are two opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Like what did I trade unless, for? Unless unless you don't think that they're taking a receiver at sixteen. No, no, I think that you draft a receiver. I think a young receiver, it's the same thing that we just You don't about. trade the first round pick for like... But that's what I mean. Like you don't trade up to go get the receiver. I think you can trade up to get a receiver. I don't think you trade picks multiple first round picks for a $30 million receiver. So what okay. what Miami and Las Vegas both did, right? They and Cleveland. Paid, they paid multiple first round picks so that they can acquire a $30 million receiver. I think it's just like the quarterback conversation we had earlier. I think if the receiver hits on a rookie deal, great money. Great five value. Year, five years out of it, four years right. out of it. I, I'm kind of wondering if we're not going to start seeing that in the NFL where a lot of these positions are a little more disposable than they have been just based on the fact quarterbacks are making so much money. Nowadays. I think this draft is the perfect yeah. example for that model. And that's why I say those first year pick, those first round picks with that fifth year option are so valuable. And why, specifically speaking, this first round is going to be one of the more entertaining ones. Because you, it's not a quarterback draft. So you're going to see a lot of position players, specifically wide receivers, specifically offensive line, specifically edge, go throughout that first round where you can get that fifth-year option. And teams, like you said, either trading down but trading back into the end of the first round or towards the back end of the first round, save a little bit of cap room but still have that fifth-year option at the end. So that's where I think this draft gets really interesting. That and I'm really curious on how many quarterbacks are going to go in the first round. Not that any should, but how many will. And, you know, for what it's worth, I I really do believe that... I think that receivers have value, so don't get me wrong. Don't get... That's where I'm... I'm not... I'm just saying that multiple first-round... Two first-round picks for Devontae... Devante is not worth half a point on Vegas's betting lines. Devante has been injured, especially when he went to Arizona. The line moved a half. It went from five and a half to four and a half, or five, five to four, I think it was, or something like that. Devante is not worth points on game day. So I think I just I think paying multiple first round picks for a wide receiver is just a little out there. One especially, I mean, the contract that they signed him to, don't get me wrong, I I love Devonta Adams when he was here. Great person in the Green yep. Bay community. One hell of an athlete. Proved all of us wrong because he was, remember, I, I remember having conversations we should cut him yep. and keep Jeff Janice and Jared Aberderis. Right. Incredible career to this point. But I don't think you pay him 
for five years where he's going to be a 35-year-old wide receiver at the end of that contract. Well, and he's been dinged up, right? Devontae's missed time for the last three, four years. Three, four years. He misses two, three games, which isn't a big deal. I mean, he still gets the numbers. But two to three games turns to five to six really fast as you age. Absolutely. So, and people, again, and a lot of national hosts have just bashed Green Bay for letting Devontae walk. At this point, I'm kind of like, yeah, did they do the Belichick thing, trade it off him a year soon, just so they don't get burned by him in the end? I think that's the same thing that happened with Kansas City. Tyreek Hill is kind of a little bit of a ticking time bomb. I mean, he, what, beat up his girlfriend? Allegedly. I don't think it was allegedly, but <laughs> so I think there's video of that that proves otherwise. Oh, but Jesus, <laughs> anyways, you are on him tonight, man. I'm just saying that I I don't really know if that's someone that I want to have around long term, right? He's already shown poor judgment, so back to judgment with Ramsey. Let's uh, maybe we should. I don't know. Maybe Kansas City's like, hey, this guy's taking time out. Maybe I can out of here before he has a meltdown. And going to Miami, you know, meltdowns happen out there. Aaron Hernandez. What? All those U teams. You know, it's. So, yeah. <laughs> so I am on the opposite end of the spectrum of you guys. I think the Packers are going to sit until the 22nd pick. And, uh, and really see what falls to them, uh, whether that is Devontae Wyatt. Um, I could see them going with the reach, kind of, in George Karloftis, the defensive end for Purdue at 22, if he's still there, or Chris Olave. If, if none of those three are there for them to pick, um, I really think they they do what other, other teams are really trying to do and trade back. Um so, and, and garner more bullets to 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 throw there. Let me ask you this, Justin. Real quick. Just while we're on that topic, I wouldn't trade up. I I understand. So, but where do you think Green Bay is as an organization? Is Green Bay in win sure. now mode, or is Green Bay in we're going to rebuild and hopefully come back in two years? I think Green Bay told you exactly what they were doing two years ago when they drafted AJ Dillon. And- Josiah DeGuara and whoever whoever was in the first round, Jordan Love, right? I think I think they told you exactly who they are going to draft for a year ahead of time. They aren't going to draft for immediate plug and play um, guys. They're not going to reach. They're not, you know. I don't see them. I think they look at it and and say. Man, we've got four picks in the top 59, and we could get really good guys that are going to be here for a long time. I think they look at a safety position that they could really affect with two contracts coming up from starters next year. I think I think they've got a, a defensive tackle situation that that they've you know kind of plugged a hole with Jaron Reed, but that's not long term. I so, think they've got a right a right tackle problem that you can plug in and in, in, in kind of fit Yash Nijin or or Elton Jenkins over there and, and see how long you can plug the hole before you take on water there. So I don't I think they look at it as hey five picks in the top ninety two, we can really get five players that can really affect our team 
for the next four years or five years autom automatically, but we can also get guys, if, if the right guy falls to us at 22, say it is Chris Olave, say it is Devontae White, those guys are plug and play, but also match a year ahead of time. So I, I agree with what you're saying, and you're probably not wrong. However, I look at it as we – the Aaron Rodgers contract, they've kind of already admitted, is more like three one-year deals versus a full three, right? And yep. I don't – I guess I don't get the Aaron Rodgers deal if you're going to not go for it. And where the Green Bay Packers roster currently is, I don't think adding depth is what they need. I think it's already a fairly deep roster. I think they need top end talent. So I, I'm again, I'm always wrong. I think I'm a lot more aggressive of a what I think they should do is be a lot more aggressive with stuff. But I just I guess I don't see the reason on re-signing Aaron Rodgers if you're not gonna go all in. You kind of already moved money down the road with Aaron Jones's contract, with uh, David Bakhtiari's mm -hmm. contract. Yeah, I don't, with, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I just don't think philosophy-wise they have ever been that way. Isn't that isn't I that think kind the of one a time, sad existence? The one time friend? you could talk about it is when they traded up for, uh, I believe it was Clay Matthews, right? And Ted Thompson was there. Yes. Well, I mean, they got yeah, aggressive the, with Jordan Love. One time. That was that was moving up, getting aggressive. Darnell Savage getting back in the first round. At the and that's end. And, and that's yeah, that's a whole. I mean, the the Aaron Rodgers Jordan Love thing. That's a whole situation that we've touched on many a time. So, I, well, uh, so will the draft tomorrow night? Will that tell you a lot? Where you think Green Bay is going to be going for the next probably three years, two years down the road? Is it kind no, of? Um, to me, to me, I think it's it's the draft tomorrow night. No, I don't, because I think you you've got to look at it in a situation. Uh, they've signed a Sammy Watkins. Like, do you sign a Sammy Watkins for four million dollars if you think you can't get affected at at the wide receiver position? You don't get the right guy. You can you can still go get a Jarvis Landry. You could still go get a Will Fuller. Those guys are still there, right? Yeah, so but I don't know. I don't know that. I, I, and Will Fuller's not old. He's what, 28, 27, 28? Isn't he also come off get? of suspension? No, he served. He did that two years ago. He That's when we that. were going to trade for him. And then, and then got, got suspended like two days later. Yeah, okay. You know, you go get him on a one-year one-year flyer. So no, I don't. I don't necessarily think that. I think the Packers are fully in. If the right guy drops to us, if Chris Olave drops to us, it is a position of need, and it is a position of a year from now, or two years from now, or five years from now. I think they draft Chris Olave, Devonte Wyatt. But I think those are two valued picks right there. Like. I don't the the. This is why the the mock drafts that we did what was that PFF, uh, Ball network Focus, yep. or whatever. The I I think the big board that they have, um, was kind of skewed. I didn't I didn't really think that was uh, 
I, oh, I, Justin, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that board is because I, I like, like I said, I don't, I, think, I don't think Sky Moore is the 22nd player on a big board on any team's big board. I don't think that at all. Um, you know, so we'll see. I, I don't, but to fully answer your question, I think they stay. I think they make all their picks unless, unless the guy doesn't fall. I, I think they've probably got five guys that they really like. Um, we're talking probably two or three that we don't really know about. Five guys that they really like at that 22 spot. And if a QB needy team comes up and, and says, hey, we'll, we'll offer you this, this, and this, um, the right price, I, I think they trade out of it. and I, I think they make their pick at at uh, 28 and and really uh, kind of gamble on what they can get in the in the later rounds. It's like we said, this isn't a great great draft. It's a deeper draft with uh, with good talent, not great talent. And it's one of those things where if you, like I said before, throw as many darts as you can and see which ones stick. You know they've they've got a lot they've got a lot of holes that they that they could plug. Um, for the future going forward. Now, I'm, I'm glad you kind of brought the, the quarterback needy thing because I'm going to go on record. I think they do pick at 22 or maybe trade up to at the highest 16, but I don't even know if that's where they would go. But I'm going to be honest with you, Justin. I think if there is going to be a quarterback run in that first round, I think it happens before 22. I think it happens somewhere between 16, 17, 18, 19. There's a lot of teams right there that need quarterbacks. New Orleans is right there. New Orleans is right there. Pittsburgh's you know, in that Pittsburgh's in there. You could see a lot of, like I said, a very quick run right there. Because depending on how you feel about what Carolina's going to do at six, they could take a quarterback early on. And depending on who they take, you know, obviously, you know the consensus guy is probably Kenny Pickett. But a lot of love for Malik Willis right there, too. Depending which route they go with that quarterback spot there really kind of sets the stage for that mid-teens round run. And potentially, you know, there's an, a rumor, and granted it's just a rumor, but this is kind of where this, the Jordan Love conversation gets really interesting too. Because allegedly, Atlanta is really hot on Jordan Love. And they're picking at nine? Eight. I believe they have. Believe do they eight. have two first picks? Two first no. round picks. I think it's just the one. But there's a lot of love for Jordan Love out of Atlanta, allegedly. So, is there going to be a situation? Could this happen potentially? Of could there be a run on quarterbacks and teams go, well, there's not really a need we need right here, and trade away a mid-teens pick for pennies on a dollar? I mean. Potentially, yeah. That's what. That's where I'm really intrigued on on where this draft goes. Because, and the other thing to really consider, scouting wise, I believe Mason said it last week, but a lot of scouts have Jordan Love higher than these current rookies, where the tape is already on him, whereas the rest of these guys are projects. And I mean, granted, he's got two years of that five year contract underway, but you're in it for shorter time than two. I, I've said it before. I think Jordan Love can play in this league. I don't think that he's 
I don't think he's elite by any stretch of the imagination, but I he's on the same playing field as. I mean, he's a what top twenty guy probably. I think he could be there. Top could 20. be yeah. So some of these teams that like in Atlanta, they have really nothing to lose. They have Marcus Mariota there. On a flyer deal. Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't know. Like I said, just there's, there's food for thought. I mean, I think, Justin, you had a trade involving Jordan Love in your, one of your mock drafts you ran today, too. Did you not? I did. I can look that back up. It wasn't the one that Can't we posted, remember. but it was one, I think, that you had had. Um, I'm trying to see. I think if it was I can... the last one I sent you guys. Yes, it looks like that was... Jordan Love to Pittsburgh for the and the 22nd pick. Packers would get the 52nd, the 84th, the 138th, the 208th, and a round one pick next year. I don't I think hate that's that. That's a pretty awesome deal. I'd be fine with that. I mean, I guess I, whatever it is, I want Green Bay to be aggressive with whatever they decide to do. So if they decide to trade back, then trade back. Let's get. 15 picks and let's really go at it well and if you really look at i mean their positions in need i'm with justin on the 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 whole bandwagon of i want chris olave i think he's probably the best fit for green bay i think you can make a conversation for drake london i think you could make a pick a, a conversation for Traylon burks and i think you can make the pick the conversation for um christian watson the north dakota state product Mm-hmm. I think I think their other you know if they were to go with one of these other guys Jahan Dotson, um, Drake London if he were to fall to that point, I think there's arguments that you can make for these guys. I think Sky Moore could be a fit in the second round, if it were to come to that. I think, um, like I said, I think Christian Watson probably is the best fit outside of the probably top five six guys that you could maybe get with either twenty eight or that even he could potentially fall to that 53rd pick that you're doing in the second round. But I think one of the things that benefits Green Bay, depending on how the board falls, is there's a lot of talent that could help this team in more immediately. I've seen some uh, drafts with Kyle Hamilton fall at the safety out of Notre Dame, falling to 22. That'd be amazing. And if he falls to 22, you can't, especially with the contract situation between Amos and Savage, where those could both leave potentially both be gone or at least one be gone at the end of the season. Mason has him as his highest rated player in this draft. I was going to say, Kyle Hamilton was probably the best player I saw last year play. So that Kyle one, Hamilton's a stud. And he ran. He had a kind of a slow 40, and he dropped out down the board. It wasn't even that slow of a 40. He ran like a, what, a 4-5? Something like that, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. a 4-5, four, 4-6, four, 40. Like, he's not slow by any stretch of the imagination. But for some reason, he runs a somewhat of a slow 40. Because he was projected originally as, what, top five pick? He was projected as, like, a number one type pick. That upper echelon type guy. Now, granted, all the love for the defensive back position now has gone to Sauce Gardner, the corner out of Cincinnati. But either way, I mean, you could, real, like you said, you could realistically see that that route go Kyle Hamilton. There's a lot of offensive line help that they could get. Uh, I know that I think a couple different mock drafts we've had Bernard Raymond, uh, the product out of uh, Central Michigan. Yeah, he's he go was to there. Green Bay, and he's he has incredible value 
from the, you know, for at least from Pro Football Focus draft grades anyway. So there's a lot of different options and for the positions that Green Bay quote unquote needs, they very well could go and trade down, take some different value out there. Like I said, I'm pulling for aggressive. I hope they trade up to the top ten. Be aggressive. Go get something. I I, I don't I, I mean don't get me wrong. If that happens, I would be going nuts in the draft, in our stream tomorrow. I wouldn't count on it, <laughs> but it'd be pretty fun. We've kind of had the general consensus of Green Bay is going to do probably the most boring thing that can figure out how to do. Right. I mean that's usually what happens. They usually do something boring that. So I, I am curious on, on your pick on this because I know you had been kind of down on the quarterbacks. I You said, what, two earlier you think go first round? Well, I think Carolina grabs one. I think Pittsburgh grabs one. I think Atlanta was going to get one. Now, who that court, who those quarterbacks are, I guess, I don't know if that's a trade with like Cleveland for Baker or I, I think there's going to be three new quarterbacks tomorrow. Really? Three new quarterbacks, two different teams. I don't know if their quarterbacks are already in the league or not. I I would even go. I think there could be four, and that's not even counting a trade. Really, I could see. I think. I think Malik Willis goes first round. I think Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett goes first round. I you could make the conversation for Desmond Ritter. I don't think he's a great fit, he's, first round fit. He's garbage by Cincinnati. But he could. And then I do think at 32, the most epitome of average, you know, why get rid of Jared Goff or keep Jared Goff around when you can get him on a cheaper deal of Matt Corral? Goes to 32 yeah. to Detroit. Or some other team. I think he goes at 32. I I have I I really think with two, I, I I agree with two I think it's Kenny Pickett and I think it's Malik Willis but I think it's it's deeper in in the round than you guys than the most are really thinking and this is where I think people the teams are going to end up trading up to get that fifth year option on the quarterback. Uh, in in the latter part, I think one of those teams that you could target is is uh, one of Kansas City's picks. Um, like you said, Eric, uh, Green Bay's twenty eighth pick, but I think Green Bay only does that if they trade back off of the twenty second pick uh, and try to jump and, and garner more picks. Um, so, but yeah, Malik Willis and, and Kenny Pickett, I. I out of the all the quarterbacks in the draft, I, I like Kenny Pickett the most. Um, that, that's been my forte is always to to go with the guy who's played the most, um, who's who's seen it all, and and he's played. You know, he won an ACC championship for crying out loud at at Pitt, so he was a Heisman finalist. Yeah, I. I go back and forth. I, I'm very high on the Malik Willis bandwagon. Um, I do. I, I in the mock draft I did last night with uh, the Touchdown Tuesday gang. Um, I actually had him go to New Orleans at 16. 
I think that'd be a very interesting fit, especially now with them committing Taysom Hill to fully be that that H back tight end, special teams, wide receiver, basically everything except quarterback. <laughs> so I, I I do think that they go quarterback. I think you know that's where these mock drafts get so interesting because a lot of teams have them go wide receiver and I think that and granted they do have two first round picks, but I could see them trading one of those picks down too. Especially if they do go with a the quarterback, yeah. they won't need that guy anymore. And they still do have Michael Thomas on their roster for whatever reason they do. And I picked the last mock draft I went through. I think Michael Thomas is an excellent value right now. If you can get him to play, which I think he's going to be healthy again, I think that his contract is going to be cheap compared to a lot of these other guys. Yeah, for sure. But I think, see, this is where I struggle. What can the Packers take on in a contract? So they have like $15 in cap, right? But how much of that is chewed up by rookie rookie cap space? I'm under the impression that that $15 is truly not counting rookie cap space. Yeah, because that has to be separate, correct? I don't think it's separate, but I think that was factored before the draft. So you have to take in what whatever it is, like six seven million dollars on on of of salary that goes into your cap space. So they're really sitting with what eight nine. I like I said, I think that fifteen cap? is separate. I think that fifteen is separate from what they calculate for the draft. Uh, for reference, Michael Thomas's cap it for next year is me fifteen and a half million. Which I would guess I, some I of that would be covered by... You'd have to by, renegotiate, well, too. Well, I would and, guess some of that's probably going to be covered by New Orleans. If he got sent over this way. You'd have to think so, right? So, just for instance, though, I don't think Devontae Adams is twice as good as Michael Thomas. No, absolutely right? not. Like, so, I think that's a lot closer to scratch than 50-50. So, I... But I how many years does he have? I, I believe four, four more. Three more? No, on his on his contract, he has three more. Michael Thomas, I believe, yeah. has three more years on his contract. That's worth it. That's definitely worth it. If you he's set to be a free agent after the twenty twenty four season, so twenty twenty five is when Michael Thomas will become a free agent. Yeah, he did three years. That's worth it. Uh, the, I, I, if you give up a second round pick, that's worth it. But I worry about the cap. Again, you know, that cap chews is, up all, all of your cap. But cap is such a made-up number, anyways. Though you can renegotiate that, maybe turn that into a four-year deal, throw an avoided year on that fourth year, yeah, and get him down. Would to, you rather have Michael Thomas or would you have rather have Darren Waller? Because the, of the rumblings of Darren Waller coming to Green Bay, I don't think Darren Waller has any basis. I'm gonna be honest. I don't. I think that was something that Aaron Nagler started. And I don't think there's any backing to it. I think if there was backing to it, I believe that there would have been involved with the Devontae trade. Right, exactly. They couldn't. Because Devontae was a uh, a tagged player, a franchise tagged player. The league wouldn't allow it. 
Yeah, but Green Bay could have signed Devontae and shipped him out. Like, they could have worked that out if that's what they really wanted to do. Yeah. I would I would love Darren Waller. Can Darren Waller Maybe. stay healthy? It's scary, but I'm also thinking that you could play him more as a wideout. You're not Instead wrong. Of- he definitely could play a... I think Green Bay's issue, I don't know if that's an issue necessarily. I think it's just that there's lack of depth at that wide receiver room right now. So whatever you can do to to add to that, I'm all for. I think, I'm going to say this, and I don't think this is that bold of a take. I think you need to go into June. Cause Mason and I had talked about this last week about, you know, not to set, not to put all your expectations on the draft because you can still... There's guys out there, Jarvis Landry, Will Fuller, etc., that you could sign after the draft and get on a cheaper contract, like Justin had mentioned too here. I think you need to go into OTAs with two. I'm going to say three new wide receivers on this team that have not been on this team yet. I agree with that 100. percent And you already have one. No, I'm saying from today. See, I don't from know. today. Are we sure Sammy Watkins is even going to make the team? Like, are we sure that's a guaranteed? I mean, he hasn't really done... He's been aggressively average for about three years now. It was, you know, when you talk about what he could be as a number three, right? I think he's number three on a good day. Probably number closer to number four. I mean, that's that's just who he is right now, and that's who we've seen. Now, can he be better than that? I I think you, he can. Do you pay Do you pay your number four four million dollars a year on a championship team? You do. On a championship roster, yes. I, that's that's just the reality of what the receivers are nowadays. And isn't that four four million dollar deal? Isn't that pretty voidable? Correct. I don't think it's voidable. I think the cap hit and for what it, the contract counts for, I think it ends up only being like one or two. So I think that that's just a let's bring them in. I think it can it can and... max out at four million if bonuses and incentives are hit. In which case, if that's the case, if that's the case, I one hundred percent agree with Ramsey on this where. Sammy Watkins, I, I, I'm i going to answer your question first, Ramsey. I do think he makes this team pretty easily unless you can go bring it, you know, unless you draft two or three wide receivers and you go get another guy. Like, I think Will Fuller may bump him. Well, I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to get two more guys for sure. And you're looking at him. Is that really someone we want to spend cap space on if going into next year? I guess that's more my... I think there's going to be three more receivers coming in. I, I don't know where they're coming from, and I hope someone has a plan for that. But I think there's a combination of three that are going to be coming through the building at some point. I think two draft and one, one more free agent. One more free agent. You would sure hope so, right? I think, like I said, I think that's must priority by OTAs in June. I agree. That's that. That's it's a lot of wide receivers. Yeah, but you don't have any. I mean, right now you've got Amari Rogers, you've got Randall Cobb, you've got Alan Lazard. And you can make an argument that Amari Rogers and Sammy Watkins. Right. So you have four. 
Randall will be on a still team have, year, right? You and, still you right. still have a guy who made a team in Malik Taylor. You still have Juwan Winfrey, who made the team. I said what uh, I, I mean, said. <laughs> you have four. I'm just saying, like, I think you have three. Lot, when, when you talk about when when you talk about those guys at the end, you're talking about um, special teams and stuff. Special too. special teamers, right? Yeah, and no, the guys you said are special teamers. I mean, Amari Rodgers, you can say Amari Rodgers all you want, but he pretty much proved last year he's not a very good special teams player. <laughs> That's factual. I'll give you that. <laughs> I think there's you know? I, I think there's three receivers on the roster right now. What combination of that three, I think one of those guys will be cut. Well, I'm going to be willing to yeah. buy it's not Alan Lazard. I'm gonna, and I'm going to say it's probably not Randall Cobb. So Amari Rodgers, Sammy Watkins. That's my hot take for the day. I don't think one of those guys will make the roster. Well, how many did they keep last year? Seven on the roster, right? So I don't know that I really agree with that either. Could be. But you got to fill the special But like teams, you guys. said, like you just said, then you've got Taylor, right. you've got Winfrey, and you think you're going to draft possibly two, maybe sign another one? I can I can agree with you guys on what you're saying is is – if you draft a if you draft a receiver late, like I think the the viability of us drafting two receivers within the top five picks, that's just not going to happen. See, I just I think there's going to be uh, two. I really do because like we were already been, not in the top five picks. I I think we've already said it though that you have to throw darts at the wall, and I don't think there's that many holes other places. There's a couple offensive line, and you need to draft an offensive lineman, right? But what else do you need on those top four picks? Maybe an edge. Okay, so we still have. You definitely three, need an edge. Three I don't more. think you need one of the top five picks. I don't though. think you need an edge necessarily. When, I think you do for depth. But who's I think your you, third edge? Who's the third edge? You don't necessarily need a third edge. I think you need one. I just don't think you need one of the top five. Yeah, picks. Yeah, you do. I guarantee. I. I guarantee one of the top five picks is an edge. I'm not saying. And I think uh, I think one is going to be a safety too. I don't doubt that either. I think I think they go. I would. I'd be more likely to say they go safety than edge in the top five. There's a lot of smoke around the Packers taking the Michigan guy, Daxton Hill, at 22. Just because he's so movable, he can do a lot of different things. Yeah, but that's not really been Green Bay's MO, though. They tend to kind of shy away from those guys. Those kind of utility do-it-all guys, they kind of tend to shy away from those guys, historically speaking. I'm just saying, I'm just telling you what the smoke is. And he's a safety, and next year he can replace Amos or... Or savage when they don't work out. Are you playing the slot? You can you can play, you can play the rover position. You can do it all in the back end. Yeah. I'm gonna throw a name that out here for you, Justin. Second round guy, Lewis Sign, out of Georgia. There's a lot of there's a lot of teams or there's a lot of pundits that say he's an end of the first round guy. Just throwing a name out there though. I'm not I'm not as high on him as I am Daxton Hill. But that also could be 
That also could be that dude played on a uh, a, a defense that you know one of the best could have what, four or five guys, yeah, yeah. four or well, five was... guys in the first round. So maybe he's a lot better than what his tape is shown because his opportunities weren't as great, right? Yeah, absolutely. Even, even last year, how many how many Georgia guys got? I mean, we have a Georgia guy that we drafted in the first round on our roster last year. So, you know. And he worked out all right. I don't – yeah, he's he's pretty damn good. So I, I don't – I think that that guy is, you know, once the tape is starting to get focused on this guy, I I wouldn't be surprised to see him at the end of the first round. See, you know, again, to a team like um, Kansas City, who lost Tyran Matthew, who, who needs to fill a hole there. And if they think he's a plug-and-play kind of guy, that might be my my pick. Now, Justin, I want to go over your mock draft. There's one question mark I had on it, and – I know because just on a lot of the drafts that you've had, and I'm not saying this is a bad pick. I, I'm just curious on on your rationale here. A lot of mock drafts that I've seen you do, you have one very high consistency, and that's Jack Sanborn out of Wisconsin at the seventh round. I know we've talked about Leo Chanel ad nauseum on this show, and and I know Ramsey's had him in the second round. I've had him in the second round. I, I want to ask you great value pick. I want to ask you about Jack Sanborn. Jack Sanborn, him and him and Chanel are a lot alike. They're they're um, they're they're downhill players. They're not great in coverage, although again those opportunities uh, between the two of those guys um, was was few and far in between. Um, Chanel was more of a I'm splitting the the front gap real quick, putting a pass rush. So Sanborn probably has played in coverage a little bit more than Chanel. Um, he's far better at it, but in Wisconsin's defense, um, again, you had the number one rated defense, but uh, on the flip side, you didn't really face a lot of great offenses. You know, who, who was the greatest offense you, you faced last year? Uh, Michigan? Right, maybe. Yeah, probably. Penn State. Yeah, probably. So, so it's it's not like you're going up against a a, a spread formation offense to to where you're going to see that at least three quarters of the game in the NFL. Now that that tandem together, as much as everybody wants to give love to Leo Chanel, that tandem together was the highest tackling tandem in college football last year. I think combined they had over 300 tackles as a tandem. I think that Leo Chanel pick. It's an unbelievable. Second-round picks is an excellent value. I think that's – people are sleeping on him a little bit, I think. I think I think Sanborn's a great a great flyer. He's not the fastest guy. Um, he's run consistent. I would think. I think you look at him. He he's probably a, a he the potential to be a core special teamer. Probably a uh, uh, a little less than what a Blake Martinez was. Uh, probably a little slower than what a Blake Martinez was. But you know the similar type of player that you know if you need him to. Throughout his career, if you need him to make a emergency start, he's a guy that probably is going to make ten tackles, 
uh, where those tackles happen are going to be the big question in his career, throughout his career. But in the seventh round, I think he's a tremendous value. And that's why, you know, and like I said, I didn't really agree with uh, PFF's uh, big board projections. I thought, you know, he's probably underrated. And just for the sake of getting a good grade, uh, I, you know, picked some of the guys that I picked. Yeah, now, Ramsey, I want to ask you just on your thing on Chanel. Because, I mean, we've seen him play in person, mm-hmm. you know, together. And I know that you're not huge on the college game. What makes Leo Chanel stand out so much to you in Green Bay? I just think he's a... We already talked about it. We uh, there's a need for another edge at some point where that comes from, but it doesn't have to necessarily be a superstar JJ Watt s player, right? It just has to be someone that's serviceable. I think Leo Chanel fits that mold pretty well. I think that he's he's fast. He plays a lot faster he, than he, he measures. Yeah, he plays fast. I would. I think that would be a good. Um, and he seems relatively versatile. I think that that's. Uh, I, I know Josh might not necessarily agree with that, but I think when you play I think, fast, you can play yeah. across a defensive line if you need to. So, I, yeah, yeah. I think I think you nailed it on the head, really, Ramsey, with versatility. But uh, the versatility that. I'm talking about to the versatility that you might be talking about. I'm talking about versatility as in playing in pass coverage, something that he really wasn't asked a lot to do. Uh, The versatility that he can bring amongst uh, all of his assets and where he is probably uh, somewhere between a B plus to a minus player throughout all the, is exactly what you're saying across the line. I think he could go from the middle of the defense uh, playing middle linebacker on first and second down, and I think, I think he's a a, a B plus, uh, maybe a fourth option guy in a rotation on the outside that that can spell or or an emergency starter on the outside edge in a three four defense. I think you've got that capability with him. Uh, he, he, I don't know how NFL teams will project him, uh, and, and maybe they do see that versatility, but from from his his size, his speed, and his uh, in, instincts is is something that is not said enough about this guy. Uh, when you watch him uh, on some tape, and and you see the way that he that he uh, jumps the snap count, yep. uh, he's in before the ball really even reaches uh, the quarterback's hands in shotgun. He he's right up on the line. Um, he affects the whole game. So, uh, a second round, top of the second round. If the if Leo Chanel somehow fell to the Packers at fifty three, tremendous pick. Because absolutely I, tremendous pick. To be honest, I think he's a late first round player. I really do. I think that there's some teams that could see value there at the end of the first round. So if he, like you said, if he falls to fifty three, I think that's an absolute steal. And all those mock drafts I did, that was a pretty standard that he was usually there at 53. I would agree with you, Justin. I wasn't a huge fan of Pro Football Focus's mock drafts. They seemed a little, I don't know, a little too consistent, if that makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah, I think Leo Chanel would be an 
excellent addition. I, I would not be upset about that at all. I think that, yeah, adding speed always helps. Adding speed and big bodies help. Yeah, 100%. So I guess I really the only thing left to do is first-round picks. Let's wait, go. Wait, 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 wait. We got to ask you about yours. My Okay. I I have not posted mine. I just did one. Um, as we were, as you guys were talking here, so I will put it in the group chat and get your live reactions here as we talk. So, oh, it's fucking terrible! Well, this, it hasn't you, even sent you yet. You posted one. I, I did, did not do my mock draft 3.0 yet. This is mock draft 3.0. This is the one that I was going to post for this week. Okay. You got what? Wait a second. Is that real? That's I just did that one. Trading all the way up to number eight. Just did it as we speak. And Drake London is the guy that you would pick with that, huh? What is your fascination with Drake London? So Drake London, this is coming purely from our conversation with uh, from Mason last week. I think Drake London probably fits the mold of what Green Bay would want in a receiver. Probably the most versatile of the class where he can really fit in in any spot that they would want him to be. Uh, his pro comp for him and really I mean, you can make the case maybe the case for uh, Garrett Wilson here um, as well. I would go Drake London. Uh, kind of has the Ed McCaffrey. He's a very much a possession receiver. Um Kind of takes the top off the defense, gets the ball at the high points, fits a lot of those needs that they don't have right now. That's just kind I really, of. I, I really like that trade. I don't know that I like the player, but I really like the trade. Um, Garrett Wilson was also, like I said, he was also kind of in consideration here. But I don't know. If you go up that high. We just talked about it. How do how do you go up to eight and not draft Kyle Hamilton or Trevon Walker or I mean, there's a couple of those guys up there. I mean, host. Evan Neal could possibly fall to eight. I understand, but that's that's just how that's how I have this one going. Uh, so my mock draft, and you guys will see it as we release tomorrow. Bernard Raymond at twenty eight, uh, as they mentioned, Drake London at eight. Leo Chanel, 53. Kingsley Engabare at 59. Kellen Deesh at 92. Tyson Anderson, the safety out of Toledo. Uh, Joshua Azudo, guard out of North Carolina. Tight end Daniel Bellinger in the fifth round at 171 out of San Diego State. Defensive lineman Noah Ellis out of Idaho. Running back Snoop Connor from Mississippi and the at pick two forty nine, and I'm gonna guess Wanya Thompson or Thomas at safety out of Georgia Tech as my last pick. So here, here's my question: Did you pick the running back Snoop Connor only because his name was Snoop? It had a small part of the decision making, admittedly, but I do think that there is a late round special team type need for that position and a little bit of depth, especially because you don't know when Kylan Hill is coming back 
or if or i should yes. say if but yes um when kylan hill is coming back so i think that's a very it's far from a need for this team but it's a nice depth pick late in the draft that if it's a guy that can work out great if it's not you, you know you take them you cut them in training camp no harm no foul yeah, I definitely think so. This is something we talked about a couple of weeks ago too. Uh, we, you, you don't. The, if we take a running back, we definitely have the ability to sneak this guy onto the practice squad at the very least, right? Uh, but the type of running back that we're going to, it'll be interesting to see it, if they do go running back here. The type of running back they pick, in in. in the value in which they pick him at is he one of the fourth round picks uh one of the fifth round picks um because once it, it, from the board once once you get off of the fourth round when you get to the to the alabama kid um and, and the south carolina kid the, the value of those picks or the value of the running back kind of simmers down a lot right um so it'll be interesting to see and it'll tell you a lot about where they think Kylan Hill is in his recovery situation from the ACL. Um, you you got to believe if you had Kylan Hill, the special teams would be a touch better uh, throughout the whole end of the season. So um, it, it, right now, you, you can bet uh, on day three, Rich Passaccia is going to be sitting in that um, – war room and he's going to be fighting for some guys that are really going to make a difference um across the special teams yeah absolutely um brams did you have any final thoughts here not really like i said i'd be prepared for disappointment so <laughs> whatever you think is going to be exciting tomorrow probably not going to actually happen so so with that in mind like i said the only thing really to do here is to break down let's just assume they stay at the picks you know no trades for this conversation 22 28 where are the packers going penny Pickett and come on come on rams let's get it let's get a real pick here kenny Pickett. they seem to like drafting first round quarterbacks at 22 at 22 I'll be real. At 22, I believe it will be, if Chris Olave is not there, it's going to be Devontae Wyatt. Like I said, I think it's three guys. It's three guys, and for the sake of of the no trades here, if uh, it could be George Karloftis, but I'm going to go um, Devontae Wyatt. All right, I'm going to go on record as I think Chris Olave does fall there. So that is going to be my official pick. So that's 22. How about 28? Ramsey? Malik Willis. Jake Ferguson. I think they draft Jordan Love again. No, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm no. just kidding. In, in reality, this is where I think they draft their receiver, and I think it's going to be Traylon Burks. Now, I'm just curious to ask you, Justin, you know, the concerns with him is that is is he too slow? Do you have that um, concern at all? The reality, the reality with him is, is uh, he's not a great route runner. 
Um, the thing about him is he's he's big and he's fast and he can get off the line of scrimmage with his strength, right? Um, the projection of where he's going to probably start his career is probably in the slot um, because you can move him all around. Um, and maybe they view him as a Debo Samuel uh, type of uh, player uh, to where they could, you know, motion him across, jet sweeps, um, maybe line him up in the backfield with with uh, splitting out Aaron Jones. Um, just a lot of things. The problem with that projection, Eric, is, is that they're kind of loaded at slot right now, aren't they? With exactly. Randall Cobb mm-hmm. and Amari Rogers. Um, so, to me, I could see him doubling down and, and, and thinking a year ahead, um, maybe just kind of betting on the future. Um, maybe he's way higher on their board. Maybe they have him in the in the high teens uh, in, in value, and he slips to 28 to them. You know, or it could be I, I think there are a lot of teams that are, are, are really in love with uh, George Pickens in the things that he could do. Uh, but essentially, um, the player that I would love, and this is really odd for me because uh, competition-wise, you know, when you're, play, when you're playing the best with the best uh, at, at the FCS level, it, it's hard to really garner the ability. Um, but I love, I love the Watson kid out of North Dakota State. I love the speed. I love the height. I love uh, the catching ability, the uh, the radius that he can catch with, uh, the stop and go. I think you can refine his his uh, route running uh, as as his uh, terms go on. So I love that kid. Um, but I think I think there's another team that that's in love with him too. And again, they, they pick just after him. Uh, in Kansas City, so it's either I think you get him at 28 or you don't get him. Yeah, I'm gonna go because I have them taking Olave in that um, in that 22nd pick. I think they do address offensive line here, um, and I do think that they potentially, uh, you know, I think this is a spot where they could still sneak in uh, Bernard Raymond. Oh, sure. So that's that's kind of so, my sneaky pick. Now, a couple mock drafts I've done, I'm not saying that I have it going this way, but I could very much justify if they do it, if they do go Olave at 22, getting another wide receiver here and going uh, with either Watson or if Traylon Burks is still available. I've seen mock drafts where they double up and go two in the first round. Not sure I agree with it, but I have seen that yeah. too. Well, I think that the hard part about picking this year is that it really depends on value or teams' evaluations of value on a lot of these receivers earlier in the draft, right? Because I've seen Chris Olave yeah. go at 15. So there's a, you know, the, it's one of those things that, especially at 22, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens tomorrow just based on that fact of. What do other teams think of these guys? Yeah, absolutely. So join us for the Root for Wisconsin, second annual Root for Wisconsin draft party. We'll have it on Facebook. 
Cannot wait to hear from all of our fans and even some of our f- friends who do not listen to the podcast who aren't hearing this invitation, but we'll see it on Facebook. Cannot, can't wait to talk to you. Ramsey, Justin, anything final here? Let's hope the Packers don't blow it. <laughs> Ever the I think I think really look I think really look for some exciting things. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, you know, Eric, you just posted that trade. I thought that was that was uh, quite interesting. I don't know that it's to number eight, but I I could see it going to to um, fifteen or to sixteen 15, to 16, the Saints, right? Uh, thirteen maybe, maybe to Houston. Maybe could be. Yeah, that that's possible. Or or nine to Seattle, right? Um, I I could totally see that um, happening. Uh, I think that's exciting. But I think in, in the end, we're just gonna sit and wait, and we're picking at twenty two and and twenty eight, and and tomorrow I I I I think we're gonna see a lot of the direction of of what the philosophy of the front office is and how in tune Aaron and the front office are together. Uh, my I don't hot... think there's going to be mistakes. I don't think there's going to be mistakes this draft, guys. My hot take is Green Bay will not pick a 22. I guess I don't know where they'll be picking. I don't think 22, that pick is actually going to stay there. Fair enough. All right, with that, just one final piece to touch on here, and that being what we are rooting for in the upcoming week, aside from the draft. Ramsey, Justin, go ahead. Where are they racing, Ramsey? They're racing in Dover, Delaware, Monster Mile. Ooh, that that is a great racetrack. It should be really interesting with the new car and the five-speed transmissions that they have in them now that it will be – it should be a really good race. There should be multiple grooves. I think the new cars going do excellent at Dover. I don't think it's going to be uh, the intermediate package, I believe, not a short track package. So the it should be it should be a really good race. So tune in on Sunday. Check out Dover, Delaware. I believe at two p.m. is uh, is Xfinity racing? I believe so. I'm rooting for Ty Gibbs to crash. <sighs> What's up with you and Ty Gibbs and not respecting Ty Gibbs? He's overrated. No, he is the best young talent that's probably come out since Jeff Gordon. Oh, my. No. Wait. He right. is not better than Kyle Larson. The, to come out of Xfinity, he is probably the best talent to come out since probably Jeff Gordon. Jimmy Johnson? Jimmy Johnson didn't hey, – a little bit of a slow start. I think – he won what, like fifty percent of his races coming into this year? That he started in Xfinity. He's won what three times Ooh. this year? Yeah, he's crashed fifty percent of the races this year. That's pretty much Jeff Gordon. I mean, and that's when he yeah. started. That's exactly what I, he was. Ty Gibbs is. I'm just. It's, he's a little whiny. Turd. I I agree. I'm not a huge fan of him personally, but he's extremely talented. All right, I'm, and then I'm going to take my route with Milwaukee Brewers. Go baseball. On that note, Eric, Ramsey, Justin, episode 71 in the books. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow night and throughout the weekend with our draft coverage. Be sure to stay, uh, pay attention to our Facebook page and Twitter for our reaction to the picks. With that, we're out. See ya. Bye. Salute.